Well, good morning to you. Amen. Well, it's good to be here today. I really appreciate Pastor Chris giving me this opportunity to be here with you this morning and just to speak to you and just bring God's Word. And so um, I've done something a little different now. Um, how many of you got some notes? We're handing some notes. Everybody? Awesome. Man, you guys are on it. Great. Okay. Very good. I need a favor for that. Um, it's something I've been doing for a while now. I, um, as he mentioned, I'm the children and small groups pastor at Fresh Anointing House of Workers Worship. Been there for a number of years and ministering there and um, under the leadership of Bishop Kyle Searcy. And so I've also, I'm also over what's, what we call our Navigating the Challenge of College class. I'm an apologist, and we have a class where we deal with the top issues of the day. If it's in the news, we talk about it. If it's controversial, we talk about it. If it's something that will, you know, that's fitting that they're dealing with right now on the high school campus, a college campus, a hot-button issue, that's what we want to talk about. I believe God's Word has an answer for our day. Amen? Absolutely. And so what we do is we'll pass out notes because we want them to take them with them so they can go back over them, which they may or not may not. But I need a favor with those notes. Um, number one, I did not plan on doing that this morning until I was on the way here. And I just felt something in my heart saying, you know, I want to I wanna give everybody my notes so you can follow along with the scriptures I'm quoting. And so that's why you have them. But do me this favor, or I'll ask them to please take them back up. Okay? Please hang with me. <laughs> Don't just sit there and read the notes, okay? Just, we'll get to that. Trust me, we'll get to both pages. Please stay with me on that, okay? All right, very good. Well, I want to open with a word of prayer and just go before the Lord right now. I, I, already I feel the presence of God here, but I want to go right now and just ask Him. We need to hear Him speak. I really am not interested in you hearing some great message. I want you to hear from God, and I want to be used for that. And I want us to, just the Lord to come and speak to us today. Speak to me. So let's go to the Lord right now. Father, Lord, we come before you right now. I thank you for, Lord, that we are your people. And Lord, I thank you for your word. And I just ask truly, Lord, you would come. You would speak to us right now. We yield to you, Father. I pray you would open our ears, open our eyes. Lord, anything blocking right now, I pray right, Holy Ghost, come and move it out of the way right now. I ask revelation, knowledge, understanding, wisdom according to your word. Lord, let your spirit have your way right now in this place. Anoint me. Fill this time with your glory and your presence. Speak to us as we come before you right now, Lord. We bless you and we honor you. We give you praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. All right, well, this is uh, when Pastor Keith came to me and, and I met with him about this and he told me this series, I got really excited. Um, Going through this right now, the Sermon on the Mount is arguably the most famous, incredible sermon ever preached. One of my favorite people in history is a guy by the senator of Daniel Webster. And he made the statement before he died. He said, he mentioned several things. He said, I'm convinced one of the reasons why I serve God and I follow him is because the Sermon on the Mount cannot have come from human origin. There's no way you could come up with that without having God step in and give you something. And this is a powerful thing. I've told many people that in the last number of years, I've felt drawn to this Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I've told people, say, you want to get the essence of Christianity? You want to get what this is about? Go read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. If you don't get that down, if you don't let that get in your heart, you're going to miss what Christianity is all about. There are several things, places, that reveal to you what this is all about, what the heart of this is. And this is a key key area of scripture all of it's important but this is critical this is so critical it's something you need to do 
One of the things, if you're going to do something, I believe you should get into it, you should dive into it, just go for it. If you want to understand it. And um, I, not too long ago, I was dealing with the issue of Islam, for instance, with the college students, and really studying, digging on that. And they, it was revealed, it said there, you know, if you really want to grab Islam, you want to understand it, you need to understand 7th century Arabia. If you don't get that, you don't really get the heartbeat of what's going on there, why they do the things they do. Because Muhammad looked around, he liked what he saw, and said, you know what, the whole world should be just like this. And that is the theme that runs through it. Well, coming back to the Word of God, if we don't take time, and this is a key thing right here, if we don't take time and desire to really grasp what Jesus is saying, to get the heart of what the Bible is telling us, we're going to miss it. We're going to go through this life. We may come to church. We may sing these songs. We may get dressed. We may pay our tithes. All that's wonderful and well and good. But we're going to miss what Christianity is all about. And as I was looking over this and reading over this, there was a f- key fundamental thing I keep hearing. This thing of mercy. We're talking today about mercy. Matter of fact, let's just read that. I'm going to read there at the top. You've got the verse in front of you. I'm going to actually start back. You guys have been going through this. I'm going to read a few verses you've already covered. But Jesus is talking in Matthew 5, and he starts. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. We are talking today about mercy. And in a sense, asking a very fundamental question. Why should we be merciful? And I was looking over this and thinking about this. I keep coming back to another fundamental question. And that is, back in the mountain there where God spoke to Israel in Exodus 20. He gave, we know it all, as the famous Ten Commandments. And the first one, I've come to see more and more as I get older. The first one is fundamental. There's a reason it's the first one. I am the Lord your God. You will have no other gods besides me. I am the Lord. Now that seems simple enough, but I'll be honest with you. I'm seeing more and more as I get older and as I do this. This question, who is God to you? Who is God? Who is the Lord? Is the Lord really the Lord? Yes, you prayed a prayer. Yes, you came down. Yes, you say, I'm a Christian. But is God really God? Who is Lord of your life? It's a key question. And it's not so simple because I could throw out some issues right now and say, you know what? If we really want to do this, what we should do is say, you know what? This is God's Word. And this is the slate by which I'm going to let my mind be adjusted to thinking. If you're going to really walk with Christ, you're going to take this Bible and you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to put this in my heart. I'm going to let this be the guide. My opinions are just, might as well be rubbish on the ground. From this moment on, this becomes not my opinion, this becomes my fundamental thinking. And when I run into people, and I do I, periodic, I'll be on Facebook and I'll get into, argue, I'll get into discussions there, and most of my time I'm dealing with people in the church. I'm dealing with people, some I know that claim to be Christians. And they, yes, I believe Jesus. Yes, I believe the Bible. Yes, I believe. But, but then you bring up an issue. Say, well, what about what the Bible says this? And what about this, oh, this political issue? Well, God's Word has an answer for us. It has a God. If we'll take the time to dig into it and really look at it and say, what does it say about it? And at that moment, say, well, no, no, no. I don't, you know, they argue and fight. And get down to it. I have to wonder 
who is really God to them? Is the Lord really the Lord? Because it should guide, it should change everything. It should guide the way we live, the way we operate in our jobs, the way we conduct ourselves in our homes, the way we treat our children, the way we treat our family, the way we live our life. If it's not affecting everything, then it technically is not affecting anything. And this is a big question. Oh, man, you got started really heavy today. Yes, I did. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I did. But praise God, this is key. So blessed are the merciful. They shall obtain mercy. Why? And this is the thing I got to think about. Why does God, why should we be merciful? Why? Why should we be merciful? This world is not necessarily merciful. You get out in the business world. I've got a business degree, business administration. I started at Fresh Knowing, matter of fact, as the church of business administrator before I shift into pastoral road. Retail, done it, doing it, actually doing it now. And so, again, doing some retail again. The business world is very cut and dry. It doesn't feel very merciful there. If you can't cut it, uh, you'll find out very quick. You can't cut it. Reality will set in in a hurry. So the, this world, that's just one example. This world is not meant to be merciful. So why should we? You know the thing is with Christianity? With Christianity, we're going to have to, you have to grasp and understand one thing in that it is totally opposite from the way this world thinks, from the way this world functions. It's different. If you're going to serve Christ, you really want to be a Christian and be somebody who said, yes, that is one of my children. That is my servant right there. He is different. There has to be a difference from us from the world. There has to be something about us that's fundamentally different. We don't think that way. Think about it. This world, it's like get as much money as you can, get the biggest house you can, get the biggest car you're set. And then you read where in Matthew 6, chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, don't focus on laying up treasures here on earth where thieves, thieves can break in, but focus on rather laying up treasures where? Y'all can answer me back. It's okay. I'm a children's pastor. Uh, you know, and um, I like, actually, one of the things as you think about children's ministry, I do it twice a month at least, and I have helpers handle it the other days. And so right now, one's handling it for me. Praise God, I'm praying for grace over him. But uh, it's interesting, I deal with ages 6 to 11. Now, you can either, if you've ever dealt with kids, how many of you have got kids? I've got three of them. Hallelujah. Much grace to you. We're in this together. We really are. So, but the thing with children is they have squirm built into them, I've noticed just there now you can fight it or you can channel it so i've told people that come help me in children's ministry say listen i hope you're ready because get ready it's gonna be noisy we're gonna get loud we're gonna have times i'm gonna deliberately get them to scream as loud as they can why because i want that energy with me not against me so we get active we get after and you know the thing is i'm here i'm away from i'm away from my home church and i can tell i never say this secret to them but i can tell it with you okay as a children's minister I have it so good. It's so good. I get to do this every Sunday. I get to work with age group 6 to 11. Now, most of you, that's a living nightmare. And to be honest with you, 10 years ago when Bishop looked at me and said, God has told me you're supposed to be the children's pastor, I said, and God has told you a lie. <laughs> oh, my. What? In the, what? Call yourself a man of God. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, but no, I, as I prayed about it, Lord, okay. <sighs> yes, Lord, send me. Please just, oh, well. Anyway, so, and I began to do it. I discovered something. That age group actually will believe what you tell them. It's amazing. They'll literally, you say, Jesus said, ask in prayer, prayer, and you'll receive. Okay. 
cool, let's do it. They have so much faith. They will take whatever you tell them and they'll go with it. Now, the poor, poor youth pastors, I feel with them like, man, age 13, something comes on them. I don't know what it is. Some of you parents could testify, man, what happened? 14, 15, oh my goodness. Suddenly the skepticism, the I don't know, and that, uh, all of a sudden, but hey, 6 to 11, man, they're just, they're like balls of clay. Not only that, they love to have fun. I get to have fun. Hey, guess what we're going to do today? We're going to set some on fire. Yes. Today we're going to blow something up. Oh, yes. They're like, what do you do back here? We're good, we're good. We're teaching the Word of God. The folk alarm went off. Okay, look, it was all part of learning the lesson, okay? You get to do everything. I've been robbed at gunpoint. I've been I've performed surgeries, you know, in front of folks. We've done brain surgery, heart surgery. We've done all types of It's a lot of fun. It's great if you do it right. And so, so it's a lot. I get, I'm like, wow, I get paid to do this. It's awesome. So anyway, the thing is this that I see about that. I, I love response back. I love seeing this. And, you know, you can't do that unless you've got mercy. You cannot work with children. No. Unless you've got some mercy. It will not work. Somebody will die. And it might be the wrong person. Well, never mind. Okay, I'm just... So, blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. So why should it be worthy? It really starts with this. The fundamental question, do you want to walk with God? Because here's the thing about God. God has his nature and his way. When God, one of the frustrations you read about, as you read the Old Testament, fascinating as you read that, you see again and again God dealing with his people. And he made a statement that revealed a lot in Hebrews chapter 3. He said, these people are always erring in their heart, and they have not known my ways. And that's a key thing. Always erring. They're always going astray. They're always going off. And just, they don't really want to walk with me. And they don't really want to know me. They don't want to adopt my ways. They're not interested in really grasping what I'm about. And this is the thing about God. This is what he's about. He is a God of justice. And he's also a God of mercy. And he has both. Today we're first and on the mercy side. And if you want to get this down, if you want to be merciful, you've got to understand right here, it says here in Ephesians 5 that we have to be imitators of God. We are called to imitate God. That is, there's no, there's no giving in that. You are called and charged by God's Word to imitate the Lord. And the greatest picture we have of that is Jesus. To know him. He is the door by which we do that. He is the example. So we follow and walk in example. We abide in him. And he empowers us to do that. This is the key. You have to imitate God. You have to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And, in, and so God commands us to be merciful. He commands us. Why does that say this? Because he is merciful. Look right here under that point. And I, and I apologize. I didn't plan. I would have done point one, two for you. It been easier. But look on your notes right there where it says, because God commands us to show mercy. Look at Titus 3, 4, and 5. I want to read this. It says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Look at 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4. It said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great what? I mean, come on now, you don't do better than that. According to his what? Thank you, very good. According to his mercy, his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
This is the thing about this. God is full of mercy. And he commands us also to have this. You know, we could actually tend to say, okay, he said do it. Okay, we're good. Y'all enjoy the message. Don't y'all do it. We can stop right there, honestly. We'll keep going. But anyway, the thing is this. Look here at Luke 6. And he commands us, God is merciful. Luke 6, 36, be you therefore what? Merciful. Be you therefore merciful as your Father also is. Amen, amen. We're going to get a children's church thing going on here in just a minute. Okay, all right. I make them yell at me. And I'll even, I'm, I'm, I'm really shameless. I have the boy, we put boys on one side, girls on the other. I have the boys out yell the girls and vice versa. And I, I'm really shameful because I hold up one piece of candy to the loudest yeller. It's amazing the power of a piece of candy. Astounding. Amen. You work what you got. But anyway, parents, uh, anyway. Hallelujah. So what does this say right here? Look right here when I mentioned about a fundamental thing when you see God. There are fundamental times you see the essence of what this is all about. In Micah 6, verse 8, it says something here about us. God, God is merciful. We've got to be merciful. God is merciful. It says here, the Lord has told you what is good. This is what the Lord requires from you. To do what is right. To love what? Now, look at that. To do what is right, but not just be merciful to what? Love. Mercy. Love it. I could tell you many times in my life, and I'm sure I'm not the only one if we're honest, that I did not love mercy. Particularly as a parent, there are times where the thought of being merciful was far from the room. I know I can get some witnesses here today. But we have to hang on to mercy. And there's something in us we've got to say, you know what, I've got to love mercy. Love and to live humbly with your God. Now, why else should, why should we be mercy? And this is a big point right here. And this is one you need to hang on to. God commands us also, second point, because God has what? He has shown us mercy. God has shown us mercy. This is a very important point. In the Old Testament, you read the Old Testament, you see again and again how God dealt with the people. The Old Testament is fascinating. If you've never sat down and read the Old Testament, I personally like stories, and they're awesome. I'm like, man, this is great. You know, these stories, I just, sometimes I feel like I'm cheating. I go read Samuel, or I go read Kings, or I go read, go read the book of Joshua. It's like, this is my Bible study, I'm reading a story. I love reading stories. love hearing stories. And the psalmist noted this about this. He said in Psalms 103.10, God has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Looking at Israel and all the times, if you read it, it's actually sad. If you go read particularly the book of Judges, it's, it's, it's really astounding how you'll see Israel doing well, and God will bless them. And then it says to this interesting statement, and there arose a generation that knew not the Lord. The next generation alone, for some reason, the parents never took the time to pour into the young generation and make sure they understand the fundamentals of why it's so important to serve God. I'll say this right now, parents, you're busy, you've got a lot going on. You've got so much going on, career, all this pulling, and you're tired. Some of you are pulling 50-hour work weeks, I get it. I understand it, okay? But you're one of your number one jobs on this planet, and you are commissioned by the Lord to train up your child in the way they should go so that when they're old, they won't depart. And you know that thing about training? Interesting more. It doesn't say teach your child. It says train your child. Think about that. You've all 
had a job where they, when you walked in the door, the really great jobs, well, sometimes gives up to three months of serious, here's your manual, here's some videos, here's some steps. They'll even go so far as putting you with someone who's a senior, and you will walk with them, and they will show you how to do it. They'll walk it out in front of you. Then they'll turn around, they'll do it with you. Then they'll have you do it with them watching you closely and critiquing. And then they'll watch you from afar. Training. What is training? You get your hands dirty. You actually demonstrate. You walk it out. And this is why it's so hard. It is so easy to tell our children stuff. God didn't say just go teach. He said go train your child in the ways they should go. A huge, and this is a big sacrifice. We're going to lose time. You're going to, it's going to take out of your week. But to sit down and do it, it's one of the most fundamental things you can do. Critical, critical thing to do. But the people of Israel, for whatever reason, they did not obey God's command in Deuteronomy 6, where he said, you're to talk to your children when they get up in the morning. You're to talk to the children when they lay down at night. When you're traveling, you're to talk about God's law. When you sit down to eat, you're to talk about God's law. You're to keep it, write it right there on the doors where they see it. Here is the way of the Lord. Here's the law of the Lord. Here's what God has called you to do. This is to be continually in front of their eyes. You bring it up. And it's amazing when you think about it, you say, God, help me. God will provide instances through your day when you're traveling, a billboard or something will start a conversation. TV show. One of the best things you ever do is watch a TV show and then have a time, turn it off for a second and say, now what do we see? What does God's word say about that? Why, well, why does God ask that of us? Begin to ask these questions. Just begin, you know, let life open doors for you to talk to your kids. Very fundamental thing. But for whatever reason, Israel didn't do that. So consequently, a generation rises up that does not know the Lord, and they go into mess, and they're given over to this, and destruction begins to come. Not God's fault. You know, when you step away from God, He reaches out to you. He puts things before you. He woos you, but He never forces you. No instance in the Word of God where God sat down and just forced somebody. He, oh, he gives you a choice. And so God stepped back. And, of course, where the Lord steps back, the enemy comes in. The enemy comes in. And so God steps back. When we disobey, the Lord loves us. He cares for us. But when we disobey, we put a, we put a breach between us and the Lord through our disobedience. And consequently, there's a stepping back. And in partly, God is allowing it to get our attention, to wake us up, to show us. So God stepped back, and you see again and again, it's like, and then God would, they would finally cry out, God, help us, help us, help us. And the Lord would come and bring deliverance. And we see this over, this cycle, this wheel. Like for four, hundreds of years, this goes on. It's astounding. And so the psalmist said, he said, you know, what can I say? In Psalm 78, 38, but God... Being compassionate, forgave their iniquity, and he did not destroy them. He just said, he kept hanging in there with them. And often he restrained his anger and did not arouse all his wrath. And just like Israel, God does it the same way. I thank God for the mercy of God because I've needed it so much in my life. I'm sure I'm the only one. If we took testimony time right now, and we'd be here for several days. How many of you can say, man, God did not do me like I deserved. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. I find that if I don't stop periodically 
and go back and revisit what God has done to me from the beginning and what he's done to me now. I will begin to let my heart begin to get hard. I will become unmerciful in my attitude towards others, in my household, on the job, with my associates. I will lose that grace and that tenderness and mercy if I don't stop and take time to be thankful and to go back and revisit. You know, I used to be a very angry person. I used to have this attitude. I used to have this thing. And then, thank God, I get, the day came, I, I asked God, forgiveness, please have mercy on me and change me. And he did. And I go back and revisit that. There's a verse in the psalm that says, remember the deeds of the Lord. Remember the things God has done to you and for you. Stop, step back, take a look. And you need to do this regularly. And then give thanks. You cannot walk with God without giving thanks. If you don't have regular times of stopping and just being thankful and expressing thanks to God and thanks to others, you will dry up. You will cut off God's flow in your life. Thanksgiving is part of the key fundamentals of having a fresh, renewed relationship with God. Incredibly important. And the Lord says here in Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, But God, who is rich in what? Mercy. Thank God. I'm there at the bottom there, this second to last verse. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. He also says in Lamentations, a powerful, awesome verse. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. But they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Kind of a, I think there's a famous song that talks about that. Anyway, amen. Great is your faithfulness. The, the mercies of God, they're new. This is one of the things that's amazing about Christianity. God literally is the God of a second chance. You may have messed up and blown it miserably. You may have cursed that person out. You may have yelled that moment. You may have made that mistake. But the thing is this, God offers this amazing thing to us. That is, you get up the next morning, and you get on your knees and say, God, I know I messed up. Yesterday was not good. Help me now to make it right with the people I need to make. Help me now to do right. And God, please, I need your mercy today. Can I start fresh? And God says, yes, you can start fresh. His mercy are new every morning. Fresh mercy. That's astounding. No other religion on the planet has that. There's nothing like it. I remember one minister talking about it. He was in India. And there they have this horrible thing called karma. People talk about, yeah, my karma's messed up. Look, karma is not a fun, pleasant thing. Reincarnation is not something Indians would say, yeah, that's great, it's wonderful. It's not. Because everything you do, you will pay for it, whether good or bad. There is no redemption. There's nothing you do. If you just messed up, you will pay. There's no forgiveness. You will account for that. And this minister was at prison. He said it was terrible. It was nasty. Stinking. Almost standing only. The men were sitting on the floor, ground. This prison there in India. Over a thousand prisoners. He's speaking through an interpreter. And he's sharing his testimony. He used to work in the government. And how he ended up making mistakes. He went, had to go to prison himself. And God delivered. And some of you may know who I'm talking about. A guy named Chuck Colson. He's speaking there. And then he got to the part about forgiveness and how God forgave. And he watched their faces just like, what? Huh? Astounded. Forgiveness. 
And he realized, okay, I hit something there. And he talked about that, how God, rich in love, his whole point of bringing his son to die for us, to, bring, to reconcile us, to get us past our sin, and to bring forgiveness and redemption. And they looked, their faces were astounded. They heard this. So when he gave the invitation, who would like to receive this Jesus? Everybody in the prison stood up. They all stood up. So he said, okay, I obviously made a mistake. He said, sit back down, sit back down. So he again went back over what he's talking about. You understand what I'm saying here, whatever. And he gave the invitation again. They all stood up. So he said, okay, I've really, something, I'm not communicating something. And he started to go a third time, and one of them spoke up. They said, sir, don't you understand? We have never heard that our, our, our mistakes and our wrongs could actually be forgiven. Why wouldn't we receive that? He realized, okay, they got it. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning there is a fresh start with God. No matter what you've done, if you sincerely say, Lord, please forgive me, I'm sorry. I am renouncing that thing and I'm asking, can I please start fresh? He said, yes, you can. Yes, you can. It's powerful you think about it. And consequently, look on your next page. That brings us to this next very important point. Because, because God has shown us mercy, we must, and this is a deal breaker, we must be merciful to others. There is no ground for no mercy here in our lives. Jesus said something very powerful. And I'm going to read it right here. Matthew 6, 14 and 50. This is actually right after the famous Lord's Prayer. He says here, if, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. Did you get that? If you are not willing to forgive everyone, everyone, if you are not willing to forgive God cannot, he will not forgive you. He will not. He says in James 2.13, listen to this. No mercy will be shown to those who show no mercy to others. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm going to read another translation here. Look at it again, James, the next one. You must show mercy to others, or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. And that brings us to a very powerful parable in Matthew 18. Very, very incredible story. You've all heard it, but think about it for a second. Let's hear it again. In that story, Jesus says there was a king. There was a king who had some, who had some servants who he'd, he'd allowed to use his money to buy things, purchase things. Do purchase orders, if you will. And one guy had gone out and spent 50,000 talents. Many Bible scholars say it was in the hundreds of thousands, if not over into the million-dollar range. This guy had spent all this money, and it was gone. He'd been responsible, and this money is gone. And the king says, I need the money now. Give an accounting. Where's the money? I don't have it. The king said, okay, then, okay, enough. You've done this. You're, your, your children are going to be sold into slavery. Your wife's going to slavery. You will be put into subjugation. And your house is going to be sold. Your possession will be sold. All of it's gone. And this man fell down his feet and begged. He, got, he pleaded, literally fell at the king's feet. Look, please, sir, please have mercy. 
Please, give me time. Have mercy. He cried out, please. And in his crying, something touched the heart of the king. And he said, you know what? I'll call it a day. I'll let you go. We'll just start fresh. Your debt is forgiven. You're free to go. And he let him go. Of course, the story didn't end there. This guy goes out. He's just been forgiven. This man, Who knows how many sleepless nights. He knew this day was coming. I mean, he's free. He's good. He's just been forgiven all this stuff. I would be personally like, oh, man. You know, just wow. Go home, hug the wife. Just thank you, Jesus. I'd just be, oh. But this guy, in going down the street, spotted someone who owed him probably 50, 100 bucks. Maybe a little more. Small amount, the Bible says. And he grabbed him and said, I need my money. And the guy did say, okay, okay, I'll get it to you. Give me time. I'm sorry. I don't have it yet. He said, where is it? I need it now. And the guy said, well, give me time. He said, no, I want it now. And he said, well, please have mercy. I'll get it. I'll get it. He said, no, no, no. And he took him and he threw him in the debtor's prison. He throws him in there. No, you'll stay there till you give me to pay the debt. And, of course, someone saw it. They went and told the king. And they brought the servant, the previous, the one who just did this, threw this guy in prison. He gets brought back before the king. And the king was very angry. And he said, I forgave you this massive debt. How in the world can you possibly not find yourself to forgive someone who owed you so little? And then he pronounced judgment. He said, the original debt, now this is serious. The original debt is back on you. And yes, all that I promised the first time is now back on you. And he says something very interesting. He said, deliver him to the tormentors. Deliver him to those who will torture and torment. And then Jesus said, so will your heavenly Father do to you if you don't forgive those who violate. Now, did you get all that? Deliver him to tormentors. You who got forgiveness, you who knew the Lord, all of a sudden, you have opened yourself up to demonic attack, to torment. Not only that, now your standing for God is seriously in jeopardy. If you don't forgive, your Father will not forgive you. It's astounding what's come back on you. I will say this right now. One of the number one causes of depression one well, number one reason why there's so much anxiety and despair and people are so depressed today is because they've not been able to forgive those who hurt them. They have not been able to let it go. It has wounded them deeply. And some of you, I'm sure, you've gone through some horrible, terrible things. The thing is, God promised, Jesus made a promise to you. He said, I've come to heal broken hearts. I've come to bind up wounds. I've come to open prison doors. You must trust me. And I've also called you, consequently, to forgive those who've hurt you. To let it go. Release it. Forgive them. Now I'm going to talk about another thing he said to do, how to get free from that. But it is a deal breaker. We must know, show mercy because God has shown mercy to us. We must do it. There is no giving that right there. Right there. He goes on to say the next point because I will say this, you cannot have any type of real, meaningful, lasting relationship without mercy. I've been married 21 years to an absolutely wonderful woman. Great woman. One of the reasons she's great, 
it's because she hasn't killed me yet. So many times, it's just astounding. She's even like, Where, do you have a brain? You have a college degree. What happened? You know? I mean, you seem like an intelligent guy. Why did you say that? Really? I asked you, why in the world? What in the world makes you think? Oh, I just so many times, oh my goodness, I have blown it. Said the wrong thing, got the wrong thing, did the wrong thing, forgot this. Over here, can any of you wives, well, I won't ask you to show your hands, so we could be, okay. Of course, the thing is, she's also had times she truly sent me. I don't know what it is about people you marry and family, just family in general. It's like they have an anointing. Just truly, just, it's like, just get to you. Just, you know, it's like somebody do a chocolate. They have this thing. I don't know what it is. My children can take me to a very dark, dangerous place. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I just, you know. I'm like, Lord, I must be doing something right. I let them live. That's got to count for something, you know? <laughs> you cannot have a relationship, a lasting relationship, if you don't embrace mercy. It is not possible. We live in a fallen world. If you know anything about being with friends, family, if you think about it, and look through, this, through this paradigm, they will do something at some point to hurt you. They will do something to just they will they will and the thing about this is in this relationship i'm reminded of a story we must have mercy we must have mercy when i was first me and my wife were first starting to see each other not married yet you have those moments where you begin to tell things that really matter to you my wife is a theater major i'm very analytical why do we do why do we marry anyway it's led to some interesting times. Of course, I look at it now like God in your wisdom. She said all her gifts are so different from mine, and they're fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me. She's so creative, and she do. she's the dramatic arts teacher at a Success Unlimited Academy. And so, you know, she just thinks creative. She walks in a room and, okay, let's, you know, we could do this, we do this. But that, I don't want to even think about colors. Okay, I really don't. Okay. But she does. And she came to me when, when I said, look, I've got to show you this film. Okay, okay, yeah. She really wanted me to see this particular film. And it's a Shakespeare, about Shakespeare, which I've not done much read. I'll be honest, I don't think about Friday night what I'll do for fun. Let's go read some Shakespeare. Okay, that's not me. But nevertheless, she showed me, something told me, you better look at this film and you better like it. Okay, so. Kind of the good news was, it was actually very interesting. A guy named Kenneth Branagh, there's a, a film called Henry V. In that film, there's this moment, a key moment, where three of the noblemen conspire with France to betray the king, to have him killed. And it's discovered. The king finds out about it. So now we have this meeting. They all come together and the three men are there. And they don't know that the king knows that they betrayed him. They've committed treason. So the king throws out a scenario. He says, you know, yesterday we had a man that was drunk. And this man... In drunkenness, he said some very terrible, despicable things about me in public, right there in front of everybody. He called me this and said this about me. So they grabbed him and they arrested him. He's in prison, he's in jail. The thing is, though, I've thought about it, and you know, the guy was drunk. People say stuff. I'm, I'm gonna have mercy, I'm gonna let him go. Let's just forget it. You know, he's drunk, he said some stuff. He spent a night in jail, let's let him go. But what do you three guys say? 
And they immediately said, no, king, no, 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 no. He's spoke against the king. How dare he? He should be punished, lashes. He should be thrown back in jail. Don't let him go. No, there should be no mercy shown to this guy. We should punish him. Maybe we should even execute him to show how serious it is to speak against the king. And the king said, no, 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 let's have mercy. He was drunk. He was okay. No, king, no. These three consisted. No, no mercy. And then he revealed, okay, well, here's the thing about you three. We know what you're doing. And we're going to punish you. Well, guess what? The ones who were so, no mercy, suddenly turned around. Mercy! (laughs) No mercy. Mercy! It's interesting how we want mercy so bad from others. We want mercy from God. We want mercy from God. We we want, on a job, we want our boss to treat us mercifully. In our relationship with our spouse, please have mercy. With our friends, we want mercy. Man, I messed up. I'm sorry. You know, come inside. Have some grace, you know. And yet, too often, we don't want to give it. We don't want to get it. We don't want to apply it. And, of course, the king at the moment said, no, you had no mercy. There'll be no mercy shown to you, and they were executed. Interesting scene. Very revealing. You cannot have a meaningful relationship, a lasting relationship, if you don't embrace mercy. It's not possible. It is not possible. And if you'll think about it, some of the rifts and the walls we built up and the problems we have, the unspoken thing is somewhere along the way, there was a lack of mercy by one party for the other. And it costs. The relationship is paying for it. Some of us right now, we have walls between our children. We have walls between our parents. We have walls between siblings. And somebody needs to step in and say it's time for mercy. It's time for mercy. And if you're the one who's got that, the power is within your hand to do that. What they did was terrible. What they did was awful. But God is saying it's time for mercy. It's time for mercy. Because the Bible said there is a fifth point here, last point. And then we're going to talk about the few things we can do real quick. And we're going to sum it up. We're winding down. There is a blessing. There is a blessing from God for everyone who embraces mercy. It's interesting he started that verse off. He said, blessed are the merciful, for they will get mercy. The level you give is the level you get. If you want mercy, there's a blessing of mercy coming to you if you're willing to be merciful. It's interesting, Proverbs 11, 17 says something. He says, "The the merciful man does himself good. By being merciful, you open up the door for God to say, look, someone's doing it like me. They're willing to be merciful. They're willing to be compassionate. They're willing to consider the other person. How can I not also bless them and show mercy to them and grace towards them? It is the doorkeeper, the door for God showing His grace and love and mercy in your life and moving on things in your life. I know there was something happened, it was yesterday, no, Friday, this week, it was is one of those times when God, when, when the Lord will reveal something to your children that he's working. I love that. I didn't like how he did it this particular time. I'm driving in my truck. I've got a, uh, I was blessed with a 1978 Ford pickup. You know, steel body. Yes. Nice. So anyway, it's run guns gate. There's one little problem with this truck. Older vehicles are interesting sometimes. This particular vehicle, when I got it a few months ago, the person who gave it to me said, look, the gas gauge does not work doesn't work so you'll need to try to keep it filled up as much as possible because you know and i'm like what 
The gas case didn't work. So I'm never going to know how full it is unless I just fill it up. Right. And he said, you know, it's really, I went and tried to get fixed. It's a big ordeal. It's whatever. I said, okay, fine. And I haven't been able to get it fixed yet. Well, I'm driving, and I thought, you know, as I did it and worked it, you know, $10 worth of gas, $15 worth of gas, $20 worth of gas, so forth and so on. I thought I was in a good, graceful place. And then I'm on Fairview Avenue and about to get on the interstate, and I'm dead in the water. And my son is with me. Hallelujah. Ten-year-old. Hmm. So, like, I'm pulled over to the side, like, I'm out of gas. I didn't bring a gas can. I'm like, man, alive. It's like, God have mercy. Literally, just God have mercy. And we step over the side. We're not out of the car 30 seconds. And a guy from another race, he's not as light skinned as me, pulls up, Sir, you need some help? And I said, Yeah, well, yeah. He said, I got a gas can. I'll take care of you. I said, Well, let me give you some. No, no, I got this. And he goes backwards, right over, backs up, all the way up to a gas station. And he's, he's getting me gas. Well, he's hardly gone, and another couple pulls up. Sir, you need something? Are you okay? I said, actually, we've got somebody. Thank you so much. They're hardly away when another person pulls up. Like, man, now, this little 10-year-old child is working for me. For me. And so <laughs> I'm like, and my son said, Dad, look what God is doing. He is sending us people left and right. I said, we need to get, yeah, he's going to keep doing it. We need to get back in the truck. So anyway, just, you know, it was amazing. He was just astounded. This guy comes back. We get the truck going. He gives it, you know, and he refuses to take any payment. Just, it was wonderful. And it just, just like that. We were hard. We were maybe down maybe five, six minutes. And we're back on the road. Going straight to a gas station. Well, I will definitely this time. <laughs> oh, man. And my son, Dad, man, look what God did for us. Look, I have mercy. Exactly. God had, you know, I messed up. I made a silly mistake. You know, I cut it too close. You know. And consequently, though, somebody saw me in need and they had mercy. They helped me. Thank God for that. God is, there's a blessing when we're merciful. When we show mercy, God will bless us with mercy. If we treat others with mercy, God will also make sure we receive mercy at a time of need. Now, what do we do to get this? There's three things I want to point out very quickly, and we're going to close, that we need to do to get this in our heart. Because you say, okay, yes, I know, I get it. We've got to be merciful. And I want to say one quick thing too, okay? We have to be merciful, but we cannot neglect justice as well. This is interesting. God is both merciful and just. There are times where I would love to show mercy and discipline my child. But I've realized that if I just show nothing but no punishment, no punishment, I am going to raise a hellion. You feel me? I feel me. You get what I'm saying? So I have to, at times, I have to show punishment. And it's for the sake of mercy. It's so that they will also grasp the seriousness of what they're doing. There's times you must apply punishment. There are times bosses have to fire employees. They have to. You really enjoy it. A prosecutor has to prosecute. In a sense, you will be showing mercy to the community by making sure this person is no longer on the streets. You follow what I'm saying? It does not mean we don't, we never, there's no justice. No, you must also, to sit there, the Bible says Ecclesiastes, someone who doesn't execute a sentence speedily, when you don't execute a sentence speedily, people consequently begin to think of evil schemes. Ecclesiastes 8, 11. If justice is neglected and dropped, sin sprouts. So justice must be brought. But the thing about this is this. You can still apply justice in a merciful way. 
You could still, in a sense, so to speak, bring the hammer down, but have mercy by the attitude of your heart in doing it. A judge who sentences a young man to prison can still say, and you know what, I'm going to also make sure we're going to bring in this person to counsel you. We're going to also, I want at this point, you're going to get this type of thing. And let me talk to the family. I'm so sorry about what's happened to your son. Let's talk about something we can do to help him. You can still apply justice and have mercy at the same time. So what do we do to have a merciful heart? Well, number one thing we need to do, we need to ask. We need to acknowledge where we've not been merciful. We need to repent. Just be honest. God, I've lost mercy. I'm not walking in mercy like I should. Be real with God. Some of you right now need to repent and ask God for unforgiveness in your heart. I'm getting to my second point. But you need to ask God, Lord, I've had this unforgiveness. I don't know how to deal with it. Please help me. Just to cry, God, I need help. I need help. I need mercy. And I acknowledge I've not walked in mercy. I've been too hard here. I've been too whatever here. I've been selfish here. I was thinking of myself more than others here. Just being real and honest with God. And then ask God to change your heart. God, give me. Lord, help me. There's a powerful picture, Jesus says, of a man who was a sinner. He went to the temple. And all he could do was sit there and be and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, I've done wrong. I've been sinful. He couldn't even look up to God and say, God, I've really messed up. I'm, I've done it. I've messed up. And God said, that man went home that day justified. God saw the humility. Be humble. Be honest. Some of you right now, one of the keys to you breakthrough in these areas is being willing to admit it to someone else. I know you've heard about pride in the last week or two in the message, but there's something about confessing our faults one to another. It talks about in James. That you may be healed. There's a time, some of you got stuff hidden up in here, and there's a pride that I don't want to admit this. If I admit it, then I'll be vulnerable. And we're afraid to be real. And we hide stuff. And the de- our enemy definitely wants to keep us closed off, shut off, hide that thing. Don't bring it out of the light. Why? You, the Bible says men like the darkness. They, want to, they don't want to be seen because their deeds are evil. We want to hide our stuff. We don't want our junk to be seen. But the more real and open you are, the more honest you are, the more you're willing to say, hey, I've messed up. Hey, I don't have that together. Hey, I need help. To someone around you that you trust. A solid brother in the Lord. A solid sister in the Lord. Maybe your spouse. Some of you right now need to open up to your spouse. I just felt that. Some of you need to have some things you need to open up about your spouse. Yes, there may be difficulty and problems. But it's time to say, enough, I can't. This is, this is bothering me. And you will. I had a guy come to me. He was dealing with a porn issue. And he didn't want his wife to know. He came and confessed to me. And I prayed with him. I said, but you know, your true deliverance is going to come the day you tell your wife. And you know what? That's what happened. It hurt his wife. She was upset. But when he got real and said, you know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell the truth. Here, I'm dealing with something, daughter. I'm, I'm sorry. By confession, power. He who confesses his fault, the Bible says in Proverbs, will have mercy. But whoever covers it will receive none. My paraphrase. You confess your faults one to another. Confess your faults to God. Ask for his help. Ask him to change you. And he will be faithful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. And he's just to forgive us and cleanse us. God, I need to be merciful. I've got to have a fresh touch of your spirit in my heart to be merciful. 
Help me right now. And the second key is to forgive. Forgive others. Now, this is the key. Look there on that second page of your very bottom of your notes in point number B. Actually do what Jesus said to do when someone meets the you. I want to read this and think about this for a second. I've had so many people I've talked to that have unforgiveness in their heart. Someone did them horribly wrong. Some of you are talking about abuse from the parents, things like this, deep things, serious things. Someone took all this from them. Someone beat them. Someone really physically did them harm. Someone said horrific things to them as a child. Wounds, deep wounds. And praying with them and talking to them. The thing I get is just what Jesus said. I want you to hear this. Matthew 5, 44. This is Matthew 5. We're still in Matthew 5. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. You cannot sincerely do this verse from your heart and not have God do an incredible work on you. If you will take that person who's been abusive and hurting you and take seven days and sincerely pray for them, sincerely go before God about them, not God, okay, don't pray those psalms, pray God, lightning, let it come. You know, no, okay, no. But God, seriously, they need to be saved. They need to be changed. They need to stop that. They need, to be, they need God to touch them. You begin to pray, God, would you reach them? Would you touch them? God, would you change their heart? God, would you move in their life? One of the powerful testimonies I remember hearing was a, a general who was in the Vietnam POW camps. And he was talking about this thing. He said, I knew, I kept hearing, this. there was this one guy that kept coming in every day, this guard, and he loved to beat me. He just seemed to get joy out of torturing me. Just out of spite, if you will. And I knew, I heard him a verse, pray for him. Pray, he said, God, how do I pray for this man? And God said, he heard the Lord speak very clearly, he doesn't know me. Pray for his soul. And he said he began to do that. He began to, God, this man needs to meet you. This guy needs to find you. And as he did it, and he didn't feel anything the first few days, he just did it out of faithfulness. But as he did it, something began to transform in his heart toward this guy. His whole attitude, his mind, his eyes, the way he saw everything began to transform. And a power of the Spirit came upon his life. And he was able to forgive this guy. And the beatings came to an end as he prayed for his soul. If you've got somebody in your life, a parent particularly right now, a sibling, someone has wounded you, maybe you've got a former spouse that did you horribly wrong, I want to challenge you, go before sincerely, bless them, speak good, pray for them. If you'll sincerely do that from your heart, you cannot go seven straight days. I would say 21 days without something happening. The spirit, something supernatural can happen on the inside of you. God is now, God said, oh, they're doing what I asked. Well, then I got to do my part. And now you, said, you allowed God to do something in you when you do this. Let's just do what Jesus said to do. Why not? Let's just do what he said. Let's try it. And be astounded at what happened. I've seen it happen again and again and again. If we actually do, if we bless our enemies, we do good. Do good. You know, have you thought about this? We've been bought with the price. And I know I'm going a little, I'm, I've, I've got to close, but we've been bought with the price. We are not our own anymore. If you really mean this, you said, I, Jesus, you're my Lord and Savior. I will follow you. I will do what you ask. I am your servant. Okay, if you really meant that, he may, t- he may have actually taken you at your word. And he may have deliberately put you with somebody that is a serious, hard case. 
And you are the one at that moment to show life to Christ to him. And you're there at that moment. God has allowed it to happen for the very person that this person will have somebody in his life that's praying for him, that's trying to show him good and trying to be a light and sincerely trying to do right by him, by God. And you are the avenue whereby God, the gospel, can come. Have you thought about that? You might be in that position, not for your sake, but for God's kingdom to advance. Again, it's a mindset. Christianity is a a total mind shift if you really want to do it. To go up is to go down. It's different. To be great is to serve. The greatest of the kingdom is to serve. The really great are the slaves. Oh, my goodness. Wow, the ultimate servant. They serve everybody. It doesn't matter. They serve the littlest ones. Some of you may even need to humble yourself and go serve some of the littlest ones we got. You know, it's interesting. When you serve, I, I just got to say that if you serve there, nobody sees what you do, but God does. You're off in a corner serving the littlest ones. But, man, there's somebody watching, and he's the one you want watching. Just, a, just take God at his word. Just do it. Not the Nike Let's just do it. Let's just do it. And the final thing is renounce revenge. Renounce revenge. Now, this is hard. It's hard. Everything in us wants to be the one, the avenue by which somebody else gets it. It's interesting. If we really take a definition of justice, what is justice? Justice is restoring things back to a right standing. It is setting things back right. Someone who steals needs to pay back two times over, three times, I think two or three times over, the proverb says. Restore things back. Make things right. Now, that's not always possible, for instance, to say someone murdered. But there's a restoration. That's why there's a long punishment. Justice is putting things back in the proper word. That is what you're seeking to do. Now, God, the Bible says, is the one in the revenge business. That's his job. He said, do not seek it. Because we want to be the one to say, God, oh, I'll set it back in order, Lord. Let me have a few minutes with him. Just It's okay. I got this. Let me be the one. <laughs> we all want to be the one. Well, maybe God will allow. But ultimately, vengeance, the Bible says, belongs to the Lord. And if you step in and try to do it, what happens is you now have flipped the whole thing around and now you've brought just judgment on yourself. It's God's job. It's God's job. It's not that we don't seek judgment or just, I'm sorry, justice. No. If someone has offended you, done you wrong, the Bible says, go to them. You did me wrong. That was wrong. Go to them. Matthew 18. Confront them. You confront them. By yourself. Alone. Not in a crowd. Confront them. Not by embarrassing them, by saying something to get back at them. No, alone, away from anything, and work to get that made right. If you can't get it made right, you take a second person. And then if they won't hear that, then now you, it goes to another level. And it even can be disciplined from the church. And yes, church discipline is something that's, that, according to the Word of God, there's time we have to do. But you do it. You have to renounce revenge. You cannot do it. So God has called us to mercy. If we don't give mercy, we will not get mercy. Mercy is an essential part of God's nature. It's who He is. God is merciful. His mercy is new every morning. We must be people who have mercy. We embrace it. We walk in it. Stand with me if you will. And let's just take a moment. I want to just, if you would, just bow your heads for a second. I want to pray over us. And just right now, we've talked about a number of things. And I don't know about you, but I've failed so many times to show mercy. I've failed in the area of mercy so many times. 
Even now, it's like, God, I need a fresh touch. I need more mercy. I need you to touch me. So let's do what, what we've talked about. Like right now, if you would, close your eyes. Just take a moment. Ask the Lord right now to reveal to you. Just really open your eyes. What's going on with you? What's happened? Where you're at right now. Sometimes we need to take spiritual inventory. Am I walking in mercy? Truly walking in mercy. Am I walking in mercy towards my spouse? Towards my children? On my job? And if you're one of these people, you've got someone who did you wrong. If there's somebody right in your life right now that's hurt you, there's unforgiveness there. It's time to forgive. Just beginning steps say, Lord, I'm choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to let it go. I'm released. I'm not going to seek. I'm not going to seek to be the instrument of justice right now. I'm just going to ask you, God, to touch my heart. I want to forgive them from my heart. I'm renouncing revenge. I'm letting it go. And ask the Lord right now. God, help me right now. God, Father, we just come before you. Lord, we need to be people walking in mercy. You said, blessed are the merciful. They will obtain mercy. I just pray right now over all of us, God. Lord, as your people, we come before you. and We're asking right now, you would touch our hearts. Change our hearts. Father, I pray where there's deep wounds, God, where there's hurt. Father, I pray for your healing balm of Gilead to flow. For you to come, Father. Lord, you would change us, transform us. We're asking you, Holy Spirit, right now, illuminate, touch eyes, God. Reveal things right now. I pray even this day as we go home and the next day, Father, you would open our eyes, Lord, to ways, God, you've called us to walk in mercy that we've maybe not walked in forward. And I ask for a fresh anointing, fresh grace, a fresh cleansing, God, to be instruments of mercy, God, on our jobs, Father. Lord, with our families, to have to walk mercifully towards our children, towards our spouses, Father. Lord Jesus, towards our siblings, Father. Lord Jesus, in our neighborhood, God. Father, with those who are just being so hard and difficult, God, I pray for the grace to pray for them right now, to do good. Father, to embrace your word, we ask this in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, grace to walk in mercy. You had mercy on us. Let us also show mercy, Father. You're merciful, God. Let us, Father, walk in mercy. Lord, to know mercy, Father, to be a merciful people. I ask that right now. In the name of Jesus, Holy Ghost, work in us. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.